Hello and welcome. You're listening to Emmanuel Christian Center's podcast. Join us as we dive into our series, Pursuing Life. If you're looking for a new direction this year, this series is for you. Choosing life is a fundamental decision that has a domino effect in every area of your story. Get ready. God is on the move. All right, all right. Good morning, everyone. How many love Jesus today? We love him. I'm so excited as uh, we gather together to feel the power of worshiping together and God's presence is so strong. Last week was a powerful moment as Mike Bartell talked about uh, compassionate projects with Free International. And how many of you were here last week or you saw it? If you haven't seen it yet, you need to hear the story of what's happening through Kingdom Builders and what God is doing through our partners in that way. Well, then after that, um, our Connect group, we're doing a Pursuing Life Connect group, met on Monday night, and Darnell Baker here is here with us. Give it up for Darnell. He's <laughs> Darnell and Jody are in our group, and so, uh, you know, we got together, and we were going through the booklet just like everybody else, and if you haven't gotten one of these, you can still get them at our Connect group table in the lobby, but as we, we had probably, I think, the best discussion we've had in a very long time. And uh, we were talking about compassion, of course, coming off of last week, and, and that kind of rolled into the group was done, but we just kept talking. So we were over talking, and Darnell was sharing uh, some of the things with his job and the, the passion of his life and what he's doing and how Sunday morning connects to the work that he does and the things that he's walking through. And as we we're talking, I'm like, oh my goodness, you gotta help me out Sunday, bro. And so I asked him to come in, and we're just gonna have a little uh, conversation a little bit about what we talked about on Monday. And uh, with regard to what you do, maybe as a starting point, what do, you, what do you do for work and what you're about? Good morning, everyone, and thank you for coming. Um, I'm a licensed alcohol and drug counselor here, uh, or a therapist, you call me. I, I retired from the Department of Corrections as a therapist in the prison system for the last 25 years. Mm. Um, I've been out here in the city now for the last two, and I work for a program called Ujama Place. Uh, Ujama is Swahili for extended family or cooperative economics, which means we take care of our community. And we work with young black males, 18 through 30 years old, with transitional housing, educational opportunities, employment, and wellness, and those sort of things, trying to get guys reunificated with their families and so on and so forth. So I've been fortunate enough to, to do that work. And you, you've poured your life into it, of course, over the last couple years. We prayed through your transition out of the, the previous job and then in this new one. It's really the passion of your life trying to help these guys. What do you see in the need amongst the young men that you're working with? Jesus, Jesus, and more of Jesus. Uh, no, it's, it's, a whole, it's a holistic approach. We take a holistic approach. Um, all of our staff, all of the men, the majority men that work, we're all African-American males. Um, so we're teaching these brothers about the compassion of Christ, uh, learning to be held accountable, and to be loved. Um, a lot of these young men uh, keep love at a distance. They don't trust it. They don't know what it's about. Um, and we just consistent to be compassionate, like, like Jesus. And that means you show love. Yes. Um, and you've got to be filled with love in order yes. to do that. And I'm, I'm assuming you get drained. Yes. So that's your day job. You got some teenagers in the house and a college-age student. And, and you and Jody are you're running life. At full speed. So how do you stay full? How do you stay consistent? Well, I'm starting to get back into this thing. Uh, um, I was sharing with my connect group that as a therapist for the last 25 years, I've always encouraged people to journal. Um, although, as bold as it is, 
I very ever never did it myself. I've always <laughs> encouraged guys, go journal, it's good for you, it's good for you. Um, but about 22 days ago, um, I began to journal. It's been since we started this um, curriculum here and, and I've just been putting it intentional. I, now I like to do artwork, so I like to draw and I like to write. When I write, I like to write real neat. Um, but now if you look at my journal, my prayer journal, I mean, you could, I can barely read it, but I know what it's coming from. It's coming from this flow, this overwhelming flow that Jesus is putting on me as I'm trying to pursue him. And my biggest thing is about as much as I'm showing up every day for work, working with these young men, trying to be, show them a consistent present of compassion in front of them, I need to learn to be consistent with my own self. Mm. And that's the thing that I've been doing. And um, I think it was last week I missed a day or two uh, for my journaling. And normally when I do those sort of things, it's about that third or fourth day where I say, okay, maybe I don't need to do that. Mm. Maybe I'll just go. And I usually quit or do something different. But I prayed about it and I said, God, I committed to you that I was going to communicate with you and sit and talk with you uh, more diligent than ever before. And it's been happening. And I get, I get up in the morning, I get excited to journal to God, which I've never done before. And it's been filling me up and it's been filling me up like crazy because um, I'm singing old hymnal songs in my, in my head on the course of a day and I don't even know where it came from. And I'm talking old hymns like when I was 10 or 11 years old. And I'm so thankful one of my coworkers is here and a strong Christian brother that's such a mirror for me. Um, and I shared with him, I said, man, why are these old hymns coming in my head? He said, that's because Jesus is all on you. That's the Holy Spirit. You're pursuing him. And this is how God rewards you for that. So I'm very appreciative in being able to, not just all the years in the prison system, but be able to model what it likes. And now I really, I'm hungry for it right now. I'm hungry. Come on, somebody. So now you know why he had to share today, uh, because it's real life, right? We've got challenges in our, our weekly rhythms. You're going to miss a day or two. But if you're pursuing God, he starts pouring something back into you, and there's a result to that. And I think the subsequent or the benefit isn't just for you, but it's also for the people around you, your family, and then also those guys that you're trying to help who have reached cycles in their life where... Um, maybe they make a momentary decision or they're trying, they get a few days down the road or a few weeks into it and then a tragic event happens or an emotional trigger or something like that and now all of a sudden the wheels come off and they stop. They've gotta be able to persevere past their thresholds but they need you there at that moment and I'm really, really, really proud of you, Darnell. Would you give it up for Darnell Baker? Appreciate it, thank you. I love these stories of what God is doing in people's lives. We're starting week number four of Pursuing Life. Today, today's title is A Consistent Life. A Consistent Life. You know, when we look at our stories and our own ability to have sustained compassion for other people, it's going to require a fight, a pursuit in order to do that. In James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And, and everybody said, and, and. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. 
There's something really interesting about that verse. I've often focused in on pure religion is to take care of widows and orphans, but I've neglected that second part of the verse that says, listen, I've got to refuse to be corrupted. I've got to deal with what's going on inside of me if I'm going to continue to take care of the people around me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. This is a verse that reflects on the absolute aspect for us that there's a tension in our story. We receive God's grace, his overwhelming love and compassion for us, and as we begin to follow him, we need to deal with the battles of our life. Some of them are external, but many of them are internal the challenges of what we want to do, and the things that could corrupt our capacity to help other people. You know, files on your computer can get corrupted. Your phone, how many of you ever had one of those phone calls or text messages that say, if you don't call us back right now from the IRS, that you're gonna lose money? Or somebody's trying to do a phishing email and they want you to click on it so that they can get into your computer, really, and into your personal information or eventually into your finances. So the enemy roams around seeking whom he can devour. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he'll come after you backward. He's trying to corrupt what's going on on the inside. But even beyond the enemy's pursuit, we also have challenges because in our own stories, we fight, we wanna do what's right, Sometimes, and we don't do it. Sometimes we don't do what's right at all, and it's like Paul saying, the thing I wanna do, I don't do, and the thing I don't wanna do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Well, in reality, that tension is over holiness. And holiness for us is understanding God's way of looking at things, and we can pursue holiness. Say that with me. We can pursue holiness. In other words, we can go after it. Now, if you're from a religious background where you're like, holiness is like religious, uh, stiff, rules-following, bitter, angry people, that's not what we're talking about, scripturally speaking. Scripturally speaking, holiness is a word that has to do with who God is. You see, God is complete. God is 100% uncorrupted. His love is perfect. His power is invincible. And we are the recipients of God's love. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he did that for us. We couldn't do it for ourselves. And his grace or the unmerited favor of God gives us freedom from the corruption of sin and the stain of our past. Colossians 1.20 says this, and through him, Paul was saying, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. You are what? holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Come on, somebody. That's amazing. In other words, no matter what you've gone through, 
Through Jesus' work, you are holy. To pursue holiness is to fight against the forces that try to get us to go back to who we once were and to lean into the purposes of God for our life. And we can't carry both the sin and think that we can be consistent with our faith. So it means that we need to deal with those things that corrupt us. There might be some things in your life and in my life that I need to deal with. And I would dare say in my uh, none of your business years old years of decades of my life, uh, I have gone through different seasons. It's not like, man, I dealt with sin when I was 13 years old and I was fine. But I have a consistent journey of having to fight those things that are trying to corrupt the purity of what Jesus has done in my life and at the same time pursuing what Jesus wants instead. So that's the pursuit of holiness. It's learning to live in the new person that Jesus has created us to be. And it's a process. It's a process to learn to live in holiness. And the goal is not perfection, it's progress. So in other words, you don't have to be perfect to receive God's love. The goal isn't to be perfect. In fact, there is literally no one perfect in this room. If you are not perfect, put your hand in the air. Look around you. Look at all the imperfect people in the house. But Jesus is calling us holy. In other words, he's bringing his uncorrupted life, his uncorrupted love into our stories. He's with us. A consistent life starts with a process called sanctification. So our journey from the time we are saved forward is we want to pursue what Jesus brings to us. A consistent life starts with that process. We're already 100% loved and accepted, but we choose to separate from evil and dedicate ourselves to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are on a journey of continuously offering daily our lives up to him. You say, but Pastor Nate, I had a really bad day yesterday. I fell. I snapped on somebody. I sinned. Whatever it is that you've gone through. Yeah, that happens. So what do you do with that? Well, some people, they get so consumed with what they did that was wrong that they're convinced that God doesn't love them and they just give in to more and more of that same thing. But to a believer, listen to me closely, I wanna challenge you to not do that. I wanna challenge you to instead turn back to God the Father and say, Lord, thank you for saving me and calling me your child, son or daughter of heaven. Thank you so much that you have accepted me into your family Lord, I'm not going to hide what I went through yesterday. I don't like it. And you confess it out to God. You open the curtains of your life. You let God shine into every part of you. Now, all of a sudden, that sin, that corrupted thing can't stand in God's presence. It no longer owns you. It's no longer your master. 
when you open up those curtains and then you begin to say, I'm no longer going to live for that old master. I'm going to serve you. Would you clean me up and give me a new pattern for this day? And you start today in a different way. That's how offering yourself as a living sacrifice looks. And when you can learn to do that consistently, where you're pursuing God on a regular basis, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. In other words, you're not looking to become perfect. You're looking to allow the life change that God does inside of you to solidify and to go into your patterns of who you are. And you're not the same tomorrow as you are today. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? So let me give you four simple ways to live a holy, consistent life. Four ways to live a holy, consistent life. Number one, trust God's vision for your life. Trust God's vision for your life. Why are you starting with this, Pastor Nate? The reason I am starting with this is because I know that if we don't get this right, nothing else works. You see, if you believe that you have to do it, that you have to become good enough, that you have to work hard enough, be smart enough, be perfect enough, in order for you to do the things that God has called you to do, you'll never reach out that mark. You'll never get to that point. In fact, it'll be futile and you'll get tired. That's called religion. Religion is tiring. Religion will wear you out. So you've got to start with the fact that God loves you so much that you can consistently know him in your ups and your downs, and he is faithful to work in your story. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is what? Faithful. He has a way of weaving everything together for the good. He can take our worst days and turn our tomorrows into our best days. And if you believe that he is for you, then who can be against you? If you get out of bed in the morning and you recognize God loves me so much, I don't have to do one thing to make him love me more. All I need to do is live with him, openly with him, and pursue his best for my life. Then listen, friends, you can take risks. You can make mistakes because you've got a father in heaven that is cheering you on. And even when you fall down, he has a way of weaving together your mistakes into his good. He is faithful. Come on, somebody. He's faithful. And there is a truth in this that when we fight, we need to understand that he is with us. There was a study that was done by the Search Institute in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's a great organization, not a Christian organization, but they study adolescent development. And one of the things that they're particularly interested in is kids that grow up that had disadvantages when they grew up. Maybe they come from a home where a parent is uh, in prison. Stats say that if your parent is in prison, that you are 80% more likely to end up in prison yourself. Or you come from a place where perhaps both your parents, uh, either they never got married or you went through a divorce and you had a single parent. It's much more difficult for that child to visualize themselves being married for a lifetime. 
Why? Because of the, the, the things that have happened around them and they think that they're disadvantaged. So the Search Institute looks at what are the things that we need to build into that next generation and if they have those assets, they call them developmental assets, then somehow they'll make better decisions than their parents' generation. That they'll move beyond the level of the opposition or the dysfunction that's around them. And so they look for how do we build that? One of the most important assets that they talk about is that you, you need to have somebody that believes in you. If you have somebody that believes in you, you're more likely to run at full speed. You're not afraid of failure. You're not afraid of being hurt. If you have uh, dads, listen to me. If you love your daughters, they don't need to go to some other guy. They don't need to give their body away before they get married. Come on, somebody. So that when you have that cheering, now not everybody under the sound of my voice has those. In fact, you might even help, felt a little bit of shame in me saying that because you're like, well, that's where I come from. But let me tell you this, just as the Search Institute is finding, that when you can learn and the light bulb goes on in your own mind and your own heart that, hey, there is somebody that believes in me, that is cheering for me, that has my best interest in mind, then I can make good decisions next. And even more importantly, when bad things happen to me, I don't need to give up. I don't need to settle for second best. I don't need to give in to some bad advice. I don't need to be triggered into old behaviors because God is for me who can be against me. We need to learn to walk by faith and not our feelings and understand that God's vision is trustworthy, that we can trust in him. And by the way, let me say this to you that are leaders. You're a leader if you have a child in your home. Kids are following you. You're a leader if you're influencing people at work or at school. You are a leader if you have friends who are following your example. And listen, if you can learn to trust that God has a great vision for your life, you won't misuse your relationships. You won't have to make them be perfect around you in order for you to feel good. Listen to me, parents. If you want your kids to grow up in an unconditional home where love is there for your kids and they can make mistakes, then you're gonna, it's gonna require you going to your father and your own brokenness and saying, Lord, I trust you. Please forgive me, help me, and receive his unconditional love so that you can give unconditional love. But if you are subconsciously hoping that your kids are perfect, that they do everything right, that they're the best player on the sports team, that they get the best grades in order for you to feel good, then the, there's something not good. You're actually passing dysfunction to your children. So this is, this is a big deal. Think about this. If you can learn to establish a trust in God and his vision for your life, you'll become a better father, a better mother. You'll become a better husband and wife. You'll become a better leader. You'll become a better owner of a business. You'll become a better uh, leader in the department that you lead or th the school that you go to. It's important that you trust in God's vision for your life. Can I get an amen to that? Four simple ways to live a holy, consistent life. Number two, make one great choice every day and stick with it. Make one great choice every day and stick with it. To pursue holiness, what do you need to add or subtract? Maybe you need to deal with some of those areas of your life. If one thing controls or leads you into bad habits, 
What if you said no to it for 21 consecutive days? That one action makes room for a positive thing. And then once you have that thing down, you can stack your habits. Then you can add on other things, but it starts with one. Turn the person next to you and say, it starts with one thing. When you are dealing with this, there's good news and bad news. The bad news first. If you let self-discipline slide in one area, you'll likely see it slide in other areas. Now the good news, if you let self-discipline grow in one area, you'll likely see it grow in other areas. It's just what Darnell said. Because he started doing the journal thing, one thing led to another thing, to another thing, to another thing. Now over the last year, I've had separate conversations from four different guys who in course of conversation, whether it be in church or at the gym or somewhere, I was talking to these guys and they all had different stories but the same kind of dynamic going on. And that dynamic was they loved Jesus, they considered themselves to be Christians, they attended church once in a while at least, they volunteered once in a while, so they were wanting to do good things, but in their life they had an area that they did not want to change or deal with. And they're like, I'm struggling knowing God, I, I'm just struggling, it feels like everything's a, a work. And I'll ask the questions as I often will, what else is going on in your story? And with each of these guys, they had the same dynamic, and it was this. <laughs> they were living with their girlfriend. Now, they knew in their own head and their heart that biblically speaking, that sex is reserved for marriage. And it's reserved for that confine of a commitment before people and before God, and that secures it for consistency for a lifetime. But they had gotten into the relationship, one of them didn't know any better, he recently came to the Lord and he didn't know it yet, and he was like, we're just living together, we like each other, we got shared kids, we got a you know, whole bunch of stuff going on with that. And um, Another guy, he's like, he grew up in the church and he knew he shouldn't do it, and, uh, um, but it felt like this holiness, rigid, religious rule thing. And, uh, and so with each of these guys, as I'm talking with them, I would share or somebody else had shared with them in the context of relationship, hey, you know, what if you just went all the way and you got married and you went with the commitment? Because you're getting all of the privileges without any, all of the commitment. And listen, guys, to me, Men, in this day and age, I know it's not a popular thing and I know it's not society-wise and even in the church, cohabitation has become an issue. But let me just say this. If you're going to live in the house with another woman and you're gonna sleep with her, you better be married to her. And this is what I'm saying because she deserves it. She deserves your full commitment for a lifetime. Or don't be taking stuff early. Wait till you get the ring. And if you're in that place right now, oh, now I'm preaching, aren't I? I'm just gonna say it like it is. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm asking you to pursue the best. And let me tell you this. As each of these guys, all four of them got, got married in the last year, okay? And I was talking to one recently. I was talking to one recently who said, it's crazy. We did it, you know, we just decided, you know, we just need to get married. So they approached a pastor. They got married two weeks later. Um, I've done weddings on the short before. I know our staff has done the same thing. And we're like, sure, let's help you out. He said, but it's crazy. I can hear God like I've never heard him now. Amen. Like I'm doing things and it doesn't feel like work. 
And it's because they dealt with one thing and they did it consistently and it changed everything else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Make one great choice every day and stick with it. Deal with those excuses if they get in the way because excuses are the basis for an inconsistent life. Let me say that again. Excuses are the basis for an inconsistent life. Number three, you're all ready for me to move on, aren't you? Four simple ways to live a holy, consistent life. Surround yourself with and follow consistent people. Surround yourself with and follow consistent people. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You're talking about corruption and what's going on in the inside. It's influenced by the relationship we had. I've said it for years. Friends are like elevators. They can take you up or they can take you down. If you want to be consistent, choose the ones that are going to take you up and they're consistent. Who pulls the best out of you? What kind of people pull the best out of you? Think of mentors or models in Christ who are further in their walk with Jesus than you are. Don't be intimidated by their strength or shamed because they're further along in their walk than you are. Don't, don't do that. Be inspired by those who live consistent lives and have fruit. There are some of the most famous people in the world that lack fruit. And let me just say this. And I want to say this, especially to the next generation. Don't chase fame, chase faithfulness. Don't chase fame, chase faithfulness. There's plenty of people that they get real super famous. It's been modernized now. You can be a social media influencer and make money off it. People that are famous and they get all, everyone wants the likes. But listen, it is so empty if that's all you're chasing. Because once you get there, it ain't going to fill the void that's on the inside. And people are vicious, and what goes up comes down. And then you're all of a sudden trying to work to keep what you got. But when you let the Lord build the house, you don't have to work to keep what you got because he built the house for you. So if you can learn to be faithful and consistent, follow consistent people. Look at people. They're not always the most flashy. They might look boring. But they're fruitful with their lives. Look at people who have marriages that made it decades. Look at people who said no to alcohol and drugs, if you're on a journey out of that, to, to people who made it. And follow their pathway. Follow consistent people. This is really what Paul was saying. Follow me as I follow Christ, he said. And Paul, by the way, said, I'm also a wretched man. I've sinned. There's a lot of things that I could be ashamed of, but I choose to follow Jesus. You can follow imperfect people who are following Jesus and discover that there will be progress in your life. Or you can follow people who are full of, of themselves, or maybe they're popular, but they aren't sustainably popular, and they aren't going to have fruit in their lives. The kind of fruit we're looking for is the fruit that helps and lifts up everyone around us. The fruit that doesn't suck life out of the room when you walk in. The fruit that keeps on loving your neighbor as yourself. The fruit that is joyful about what God is doing through Kingdom Builders, about seeing young women rescued from trafficking. Come on, somebody. You think I'm going to try to come up with some more stuff? Because listen, that's fruit. I want the kind, I want to watch people who are doing it and they're doing it well. They're, they're, they're living their life the right way. 
I mentioned this in the first service, and I didn't even have it in my notes, but now that Jody's here. Back in the day, when we were younger dating and then younger married, we used to go to Baker Square. <laughs> Jody loved the pie shop special. And uh, we would go to Baker Square, and, uh, and I remember I used to make comments. I'm like, Jody, it seems like everybody here is like over 70 years old. <laughs> I'm like, why are we coming here, you know? In fact, one time, we're sitting down, I think this was at the Baker Square in Roseville that no longer exists, and, uh, and we're sitting there, and I was making the comment, and I look up, and literally a bus drops off, and everybody had come from the senior living facility, that, and they were dropped off, and I just said, see? Now, you think I'm ripping on those people. I'm not, because we're all going to be there someday, hopefully, right? But I remember when Jody and I would sit and watch people and we would see a couple that was in their 70s, 80s, 90s, then married for decades. And we'd just look at them. And there they were at the table. Sometimes they'd hold hands. Sometimes they'd just look in their eyes, each other's eyes. They didn't even have to say a lot. And we'd go, that's what we want to be like. I don't want to chase the people that already got the, all the stuff in life. I want to chase fruitful people. Fruitful people are like trees that birds can come and land on. Shade, it's provide a safe place for anybody that comes their way. Those are the kind of people you need to chase consistent people. Can I get an amen to that? And then when you do that, there's something powerful that happens to the world around us. First Peter 3, 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. I think there's something powerful about the responsibility we have to help others. So I've been talking about you being consistent for someone else. Now, and I think this is what I'm saying. You chase consistency and you give consistency. And then you have grace for others who aren't where you're at yet. Jody was reading the book and she shared it with me because um, she works with all of the discipleship. In fact, all of the pursuing life curriculum in the, for our Connect Group series, that was Jody. She worked on that this time and I'm so grateful for the work that she's bringing. I think there's a book, it's like The Other Half of Church. And uh, in there, there's a story of a, just a man, the author, who talks about uh, not growing up in the church and not, not uh, knowing the ways of what right living is and bad living is. And, and, uh, and so as he grew up, he would party and he would do, he experimented. He did things physically, sexually, with drugs, alcohol, partying, that kind of thing. Didn't think anything of it because all of his friend group did that. And then he gets saved and he goes to church. Now, when he gets saved, he becomes a brand new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But he's still got all the old habits, 
all the other things that he used to do. So he starts going to church, and as he's going to church, he's in small group, he's in community, in spiritual community. He's not just doing theater religion where he shows up at church and watches a guy on the platform. He actually is beginning to get to know people. And by the way, that's my dream for you. I want you to not just be watching a message, I want you connected with other believers. We talk about it in Growth Track all the time, and if you haven't heard it yet, get signed up for Growth Track next month, and we'd love to have you in there. But here's the thing, this man, as he is discovering life, he's still, he's going to church on Sunday, he's hearing a message from the pastor, he's spending time giving his best, but then he's still partying on the weekend. He hadn't yet discovered or realized that Christians didn't do that. And the Christians that he was around didn't judge him while he was in that state. But over time, he started noticing the, the consistency of his sisters and brothers, and he starts asking them questions and noticing they didn't do that. Why not? And then he asked the reason for the hope that was in them. And his sisters and brothers in Christ would say things like, well, we don't do those things because we're chasing Jesus. That would corrupt us. That sin would actually harm who we are. So we just don't do that. And his life was transformed over months and years of relationship, not one Sunday morning altar call. Why are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Do you know how many people, millions of people in Minnesota think that church is just a rules thing? In order to be in, you gotta keep all the rules. They don't know yet that Jesus is life. But when they come in, they're a part of church and you invite them to Super Sunday, and they come to church either next week or the week after and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ and then they start coming because they've been made new. They don't need to be judged for all the other patterns they've had for years of their life. They need to be in relationship with you so they can see your walk, your consistency, and over time, your consistency will change their life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's all of those things. You know, uh, recently, uh, I lost a little bit of weight. And uh, I've done it lots of times. It's not that hard. <laughs> it always, it's come back. <laughs> but um, I started the process in Labor Day, September. And I, I dropped quite a bit. But nobody said anything to me for a couple months. I think because they're like, man, eh, it'll come back. But in the last month or so, people started asking me, what are you doing to keep the weight off? They are, asking, they are asking me that because I've lived a consistent life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? I don't wanna just do it for a week or a month or a season of my life. I wanna be consistent enough that people will ask me about Jesus inside of me. That's the dream for you and I, that they see the consistency. Finally, number four, make it your goal to be faithful, not perfect. Make it your goal to be faithful not perfect. Jesus' description of a faithful person is this, Luke chapter 12. And the Lord replied, a faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Faithfulness is valued more than perfection in scripture. It's a high, high value. It's God's way of promoting us to give us small 
increments and observe what we do with what he's given us and then give us more if we've been faithful. See, God isn't looking for superstars or you and I to have big accomplishments. He's looking for faithful people. And if we look what we already have, uh, our time, our relationships, our jobs, and determine that we just want to be faithful with this, then God will grow us into that. Faithful people are rewarded. I came across a story I want to share with you today that's pretty inspiring. Richard Montañez grew up in Cucamonga Valley, California, sharing a one-room cinder block hut with 14 family members. He dreaded school, barely able to speak English. He'd cry to his mother as she was getting him ready for class. So he dropped out of school in the fourth grade and took odd jobs and farms and factories to help make ends meet. Some years later, in 1976, a, a neighbor let him know of a job opening for a factory janitor at the Frito-Lay plant down the road. Four dollar an hour pay was more than he had ever made. And as he was getting ready for his first day of work, his grandfather pulled him aside and said, make sure that the, that floor shines and let them know that a Montañez mopped it. Richard made it his mission to be the best janitor Frito-Lay had ever seen. And he spent his off time learning about the company's products and manufacturing, marketing, and more. He even asked salesmen to tag along and watch them sell. And in the mid-1980s, Frito-Lay started to struggle. And the CEO announced a new initiative to all 300,000 employees. It was an initiative called Act Like an Owner. And trying to empower them to work more creatively and efficiently. Montañez listened. And then he called the CEO on the phone. Mr. Enrico's office, who is this? Richard Montañez in California. You're the VP overseeing California? No, I work at the Rancho uh, Cucamonga plant. Oh, so you're the VP of ops? No, I work inside the plant. So you're the manager? No, I'm the janitor. And the CEO got on the line and loving the initiative, he told Richard to prepare a presentation and he set a meeting in two weeks time. Stunned, Richard ran to the library, picked a book on marketing strategies and then he started prepping. And two weeks later, he entered the boardroom. And after taking a moment to catch his breath, he started telling them what he had learned about Frito-Lay and the idea he had been working on. I saw there was no product catering to Latinos. On the sales trips, he shadowed, he saw that in Latino neighborhoods, Lays and Fritos and Ruffles and Cheetos were stocked right next to a shelf of Mex Mexican spices. But Frito-Lay had nothing spicy or hot. It was a good Scandinavian brand, I guess. The Latino market was ready to explode. And Montañez explained, inspired by elote, a Mexican street corn covered in spices, Richard had created his own snack. He pulled out a hundred plastic baggies and he had taken Cheetos from the factory and coated them in his own mix of spices. He'd even sealed the bags with a clothing iron and it had them hand-drawn a logo on each one. And the room went silent. After a few moments, the CEO spoke, put that mop away, you're coming with us. And listen to this. This is when flaming Hot Cheetos 
became one of the most successful launches in Frito-Lay history. They went on to become a viral pop sen culture sensation and Richard became a VP, amassed a $20 million fortune. Not bad for a boy from Cucamonga. Remember this today. Consistency provides reliability and opportunity. If you're staying consistent, remember, every day matters. And be looking for what God can do with where you're at. Jesus said this in Matthew 25, 21. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear from the Lord one day. That's what I want to hear from the Lord every day. I want to be consistent and faithful. Would you stand with me today, church? Hallelujah. If you've never given your, Lord, your life to the Lord, um, you could do it today. If you've never surrendered to Christ, you can do it. You can do it right where you're at. At the end of the service, Pastor Nathan will be here and he'll be able to lead you in a prayer, but why, why wait for that prayer? You can give the, your life to the Lord. But I wanna talk to everybody right now. And I want you to consider that in your life, you have been given opportunity today. No matter what's happened before, you can pursue God's holiness. You can pursue his 100% uncorrupted love. But you gotta choose to chase it. And it may mean that you need to do some things this week, every day. Whatever the Lord begins to spur you with or challenge you with, I wanna just double dog dare you to not just hear a good message or hear the word of God, but to actually do the word of God. Not just be a hearer, but be a doer. Take that step this week and let God begin to do his work. Do that and you can talk about it in your groups this week. When you get together for your connect group. If you haven't started one yet, you can still do it. Go on the app. You can go through the videos and start. Go over right from week number one all the way through. You can still do it. I just want to encourage you, don't just share it in your head. Share it with somebody else. Talk about what God is doing. And the moment you open your mouth is the moment there's life change. That's the moment that it becomes real and the enemy can't steal what you've shared with another sister or brother. Today, I wanna to pray that God would make us faithful, consistent people, and that he would help you right where you're at. Like you do this, put your hands like this. And I want you to just close your eyes. Just open up your, your heart. And instead of crossing your arms and covering up, just open up your life. And Father, we come before you right now. And we thank you, Lord, that you see everything. But we choose to confess to you where we are right now. We say, oh God, thank you that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that you know how to replenish what has been spent. Some of my sisters and brothers have been spending their days and their hours investing in the family, in the business, and the people around them they've given, and they're tired. So I pray, God, that you would replenish their strength with you. Lord, that you, Lord, pour your joy, your kindness, your peace that passes understanding. Let it, Lord, 
unfold out of heaven into people's lives. And then we pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you would help us to pursue you and your holiness. Now, church, I want you to lift your hands up higher now. Father, we come before you. Lord, nothing held back. And we simply say, oh God, we want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, nobody knows about it. We're not chasing fame. We're chasing faithfulness. We're chasing what you have for our lives. And we say, God, you're enough. You're more than enough. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for a vision for our life. Thank you for not giving up on us. And thank you, Lord, that you'll complete the work that you started in our stores. We trust in you. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord some praise in the house. Thanks for joining us today. If you're looking to take the next step in your faith journey, visit us at emmanuelcc.org. We're excited to continue on this journey of faith with you. We pray that you are encouraged today by Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us.